0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he the to fire that. What a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar al on Pulse 95. Nice street. Salaam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar al I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Who would want to be a coach these days? One day you're on top of the world and the next day everyone is pointing the finger at you. Well, Manchester United are a big club. With a big club comes astronomical expectations. So here's my question for you. Who would be Manchester United's next manager? United fans, I know you tune into this show, so I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Or even if you're not a United fan, who would be Oli Gonasalsha's successor? So that's regarding that debate in the coaching department. Boxing can be ruthless, but it's also a sports science. So we take a look at the Eubanks as Chris Eubank Jr. stepped into the ring with his brother spirit with him. And we also take a look at all the action around the world from the UAE, which is the game I visited the other day, to Manchester City versus Liverpool in a game at Anfield that did not disappoint and probably was one of the halves of the season. All this and more on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse95. The halftime show with Omar Alduri. Al-Duri. Oh on Pulse oh. 95. 95. Oh, he lifts that- the private! What's it go? This is the halftime show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice stream! Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri, I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Wow. Wherever you're tuned in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app, Sharjah Broadcasting Authority, or even if you're tuning in at home, watching us live on YouTube. Thank you very much for connecting with us today. I can't wait to be back with you in the studio on Wednesday. Right. Okay. It's Monday morning and we're thinking a lot of things today. Who will be Manchester United's successor? Now, a lot of people have been complaining about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and whether he is worthy of the title as Man United manager, but he is there now. So the reality is that he is doing what he can with who he has. The question that a lot of people are asking is, is he an elite manager for the elite players he has to be able to challenge for the title? Now, he's always going to have his critics, but my question to you is, and I'd never ever promote someone losing their job or being able to replace them quickly. But my question to you is who will be United's next manager and who will be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's successor? Now, as we look at all these different factors, a lot of people are normally talking about big names and that's kind of the attractive thing because Manchester United is a big brand and that's what football has turned into. It's turned into a business. And if it's a business, then therefore normally you're looking at having everything polished up nicely for the world to be taken over. However, We have tried different types of coaches in the modern game and we have tried them with different clubs and Manchester United is one of those people. So with that and the way that the the owners have invested, one can't deny that they've actually invested in their players. They've brought back the coaching staff who have represented the club to get that home feel of it. But regarding the manager, they have tried the international managers, the superstars. And some may argue it has, and some may argue it hasn't worked. Now, with people like Jose Mourinho, even though he was criticized, he was very, very good at what he did. Now, they complained about the style of play. But looking forward, would You opt for a homegrown manager or someone, for example, from the United Kingdom, looking at people like Brendan Rodgers, who's done a fantastic job wherever he's kind of gone. He's won things with Celtic, he's won won things with Leicester, and he currently gets the best out of what he has. So would Brendan Rodgers be an obvious uh, choice for that? And if not, why not? Why wouldn't he be someone who can come in and actually add structure to your United team and look at a long-term vision? If you're looking at international coaches, the name on everyone's lips at the moment is Antonio Conte. Conte's drive, his his determination, his bite, his steel is something that a lot of clubs have been linked with and at the same time people are saying that he would get a much better output coming from the players that he has but will the players that he has want to be coached by Conte considering the age considering the states and considering what they've won already with their international teams so that would be one thing to consider then you look at along the lines of international coaches you look at someone like Diego Simeone who has worked on a long-term project at Atletico, winning the leagues and also at the same time been very very tough to beat very stubborn to beat but stylistically may not please the fans as much as the type of manager would come in and go gung-ho Zinedine Zidane is another one now with Zinedine Zidane having won Champions Leagues and having been at Real Madrid his connection with Varane Cristiano would be automatically there however would he be able to do the same thing he did in La Liga and in Europe with Manchester United against Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, and Tuchel. So we're looking at all these type of factors and thinking who would be a fantastic manager for that. It's also who he can bring in with Zidane. It's another thing you got to consider. Conte's signings may not be household names, but he normally does the job with the players that he picks for his puzzle. With Zidane, players like Mbappe have always wanted to play for Zinedine Zidane. Pogba's always wanted to play for Zinedine Zidane. Probably Alfing Haaland, who also remembers Zinedine Zidane. So there's so many uh, players that could be attracted to Manchester United, which, again, focusing on the brand, would be very stylistic. So that's regarding the international players. But who would you bring? And why would you bring them? Text us on 4215 at the Salat or do or slide up into our DMs at Omar or Pulse95 Radio, and let me know who would you have as... United's successor to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. A lot of people have not been happy with what he's been doing, despite the players that he has. And at the same time, I feel like it's something that divides opinion across all fans around the world. Whether you're in the UAE, whether you're in the UK, whether you're in South America, a lot of people have their own opinions on who should be in and who should be out. You let us know and we'll be right back after the break on Pulse 95. This is The Halftime Show... With Omar al Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice job. To- Salaam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Al-Duri. I'm your host of everything sport, international, local. If you do miss the show, don't worry, catch all of our episodes on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. If you like a podcast, or head over to the YouTube channel Pulse95 Radio and check out all of our episodes on youtube we've got some fantastic guests covering some really wicked topics mental health gut health and how important the brain is on performance and recovery and also we've got a few uh, superstars on there as well so make sure you keep an eye out for that okay right so everyone knows that the boxing world is is ruthless it's something that we we love to watch People, you know, people put their, their 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 lives, their families at risk in terms of stepping into the ring. It takes a lot of preparation, mentally and physically. And one of the careers we've been kind of looking at is the household name, which is the Eubanks. Now, with the Eubanks, and especially in boxing, it's been it, it, it it's been very entertaining because, you know, Chris Eubank himself was was so extravagant, so stylish. And the legacy continued with his sons. Now, unfortunately, the tragic passing of Seb Eubank um, earlier this year, you know, kind of, you know, put a lot of things in perspective in terms of, you know, how how we should be grateful for what we have and how life is short and how someone that could look after their body and be healthy, you know, it could be their time. And, and, and that's what was quite sad about that situation. But Chris Eubank Jr. chose to continue fighting, even though he also has by his own admission, admitted that he doesn't really need to fight anymore. and He's made his money and he's done all that things, but the drive in him still is there. As some critics have said that, you know, he's always fallen at the, at the last hurdle, but he chose to step in for a fight. And and looking at this here, you know, it was really unlucky that his opponent, who was already a replacement, pulled out because he failed the medical. Now, his first opponent get, got COVID. His second opponent failed the medical. And and it's surreal. This is what Chris Eubanks um, Jr. said. The cancellation of anatoly muratov's fight was something which was a bit of a surprise to him because he was getting himself ready and that's that's the thing about boxing you know boxing doesn't start a week before months and months of preparation normally is is when you're going to fight when that's secured in where you're going to fight if you're going to go out and travel and and be with your coaches if you're going to be in a different environment there are all these factors so he was he was stepping in to the ring, and we were looking at that and really, you know, being excited because um, he 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 even showed that his um, his shorts and his attire would have his brother's name on it. He said, "I can't tell you how emotionally I'm going to be, but I'm I'm doing this for my brother and for what we stand for." And uh, you know, I think I think for for a boxing fan like myself and a student of the game, I, I really I really. Have a lot of um, admiration for people who step in the ring despite their trials and tribulations, despite their challenges. Mentally, I think internally we all have our demons, and I, and the fact that Chris Eubank has been criticised for, you know, just falling short with some of the the big stars he's faced, he doesn't really have to fight. So seeing that he got himself mentally prepared, I think there was just something on the cards that probably wasn't meant to be for Chris Eubank Jr. and 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 what's next for him? I kind of wonder you know, whether he will um, pick uh, almost certain fight, someone that he has to go, there's been names branded around everywhere who he's going to fight, which big name he's going to go for. Um, You know, it's, it's tough. It's tough in the boxing world. It's very different to the UFC. You know, as we said before on the show, politics-wise, there's a lot of sports politics when it comes down to which promoter you're with, who's who's televising it, which management you're, you're there, who do you spar with, who gives away the information that probably the gym should keep internally. There's all these small little factors that that probably, you know, um, set, set a lot of people back. Chris Eubank Jr. was targeting uh, Golovkin and, and was expected to see a mandatory WBA title shot, according to reports. And the plan, and still, is to fight in December. As he says, we need to fight this month so that I can have enough time to rest and then have a new training camp for the fight in December. It's vital that I get out this month and fight because a big name or a world title is awaiting for me in December. So you can see he's kind of... He's kind of visioned what he wants to do and how he wants to do it and where he wants to do it. But he has to get that fight now because obviously he's he's spent the time in the gym, he's he's covered ground and he's got the mited under his belt, but now he needs to perform. And and as we know, especially with with last minute replacements, we've seen Pacquiao fall at that. We've seen, you know, um, Ruiz step in and, and and do a job on AJ in the first time. There's there's always been these fights that perhaps people think I need to get it done to focus on the next one and that's where it's kind of tricky because by doing so you're kind of maybe uh, your vision's distorted on where you should be so I I hope he picks the right fight I hope it's a good fight for him I hope he gets challenged as well so then he can kind of learn from that and kind of add that to his arsenal for December but as the the months tick down we're only a couple of ways to the end of the year and so much has happened already. Fans have been allowed back in the stadiums. That kind of reception, that kind of uh, encouragement, that support has almost changed the scope of, of of sports nowadays. Now, we look at, you know, the 12th man, so to speak, and, and when it comes to the famous stadiums and how much that has an impact. Would Tyson Fury have got up the first time? Uh, in the fight against Deontay Wilder if there were no fans if he could not hear anything if he could not feel the energy or support from you know, uh, the, the stadium now it's back and now we're looking at all these different factors and it's going to be interesting to see what the next steps for Chris Eubank Jr. is uh, can't wait to share more with you we're going to stay here right with us on Pulse Five Radio we'll be right back after the break I'll see you after this enjoy folks this is the a halftime show with Omar, Omar Alduri. Alduri on Pulse 95 Oh he loves the fire that... What's a goal This is the halftime show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95 Nice strike oh better than nice wonderful <laughs> And Welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar al Thank you very much for tuning in and connecting with us today. So happy to see your faces um, on, on the YouTube and on 95FM. It's fantastic to be able to connect with you guys. Okay, a roundup of sports uh, internationally and locally. Right, so the other day I had the privilege of going down to the UAE headquarters to watch the women's national team play against India. By the way, India were, were very, very impressive in that match. And although the result really does doesn't matter as much the performance does due to what the national team are preparing for a major tournament. However, saying that, I kind of like the integration of the younger players and the and the more senior players in that setup. I, I was watching uh, different patterns of play regarding India and the way they were manipulating the ball, but I also liked. To see how far some of the players have have come, um, you know the the striker Leila was was very energetic, pressing from the front. That was very impressive. I also like the fact Maria scored uh, a free kick, or maybe North might have touched it at the end. But either way, it was a great goal for the UAE. The celebrations were nice to see. Um, you know, celebrating with the coach, Harriya Tahiri, who's, who's one of uh, one of our very own and, and, uh, and a good friend of ours as well at the show. So I, I, I watched that, I observed it. And I also, something that a lot of people don't notice, I also watched the youngsters who were sitting with me in the stands watching the game. And I, I looked at that and I kind of really liked the fact that, you know, sometimes you don't watch football, kind of get distracted. Everyone was watching. They were focusing on on the small details. Uh, Badriya in goal actually pulled off a couple of great saves as well. Seeing the the integration, uh, Salha and Ghanima as well. The two sisters that play centre back and and right back as well. Ghanima's uh, a little bit younger than Salha, but still, you know, playing next to your sibling, I thought that was very very good. And of course, full fitness coming back for players like Naima as well, which was great to see. Uh, North conducting the midfield as well, alongside Rawan, who was very brave. Um, you know, a, a very, a very small, skillful player who managed to to, to spread the ball out and actually pulled in a couple of very, very good tackles as well. Eve was there as well, playing on the left side, uh, which was good to see. So the integration between the new generation and the old generation is kind of good because it's at that time now where you need that right balance. So I was very impressed with that. Really happy to see women's football, you know, being put on the map here, and I think there's good things to come from that across across Europe. Now everyone was talking about. Pep Guardiola versus Jürgen Klopp. And in that basis as well, what you have to say is probably the second half, the first half was a chess game. And the second half was something that when we look at that and we manage, you know, expectations, what would have been a good result for both coaches? There are things in these games sometimes where game management is key and performance is something that a lot of people sometimes look over. So when to break up play, and what I found really funny and kind of of ironic is one of the masters of doing that is Pep Guardiola. When to commit a foul without getting a booking is always something very, very key. He was like outraged that Milner, who was already on a yellow card, did not get a second yellow card at that point in the game. I think around 72 minutes where the game was still even. But saying that as well for someone that's done that with Fernandinho and Rodri and all these people, it's a little bit <laughs> he went crazy because he probably recognized what they were doing because he's been doing that for so many years. So the moment of brilliance and probably why the difference between a world-class player and a good player is Mohamed Salah. And in doing so, setting up the first goal for Mane and the weight of the pass was phenomenal to the moment of brilliance where, even when you coach against that, you normally tell the players to keep the spaces quite tight between the positions so rather the left back and the and the centre back will be closer together the the left midfielder and the left back or the left midfielder and the centre back will be closer together to, to stop the spaces from people manipulating the ball around them even if they try to play a 1-2 even if they dribble that's why the second goal was so special for Salah is because even when coaching against that you just have to take your hat off and say what a moment of brilliance there was an element of unselfishness from Mohamed Salah during this game which is probably why he stood out even more assisting the first goal for Mane and also the I want to say the aura of Messi versus Bayern Munich Boateng uh, being twisted in and out and falling back was very similar to what Salah did to Laporte because normally facing a left-footed player on the right side as an inverted winger You try and show them towards the touchline. You know they want to come inside and you know they want to curl the ball around and use the decoy, whether it's another third, uh, second center back or the goalkeeper to curl it around the post. So, doing so, the defenders actually did what they were supposed to do until showing him onto his right foot. And then the task after that was to beat Edison. Now, in beating Edison, who's another world class goalkeeper, That was something that made the goal complete. Overall, I think based on the performance, it's almost very strange to have two man of the matches. And I heard a lot of people, I listened to different shows and podcasts and analysis. A lot of people gave it to Foden and Salah. If Liverpool had won the game, it probably would have gone to Salah. If City had won the game, it probably would have gone to Foden. So overall, I think the way that both managers had had conducted themselves. And a good advert for football. Some people might have called the first half boring. I had to actually re-watch it um, because my cousin said to me yesterday, he said, oh, the first half was just boring. Just focus the second half. But when I went back to watch it again, I think the, the distance between the players, the amount of coverage that the players ran, and also Milner filling in at right back, which is full experience. A lot of the times people... Target Liverpool, especially Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right side, and in doing so, they they try to expose him defensively because they know offensively he is a threat. But pinning him back would be something that perhaps, perhaps uh, would would um, eliminate that threat moving forward because he would be more concerned defensively. But Milner did a great job and full of experience, probably the ideal professional to have in any club. That was something that I thought was uh, was very good. And overall, I mean, we've had some good results. I also have to say, in the local leagues, um, a certain Condado FC came out with a victory, which is fantastic. Still very, very early on. Great to see the whole team unite. Great to see the whole team perform. 7-2 win, um, which is a start of hopefully many to come. Stay tuned for more on the only place to be at 3, the halftime show on Pulse 95. Is the halftime show with Omar Alduri. Al-duri. Oh, on Pulse oh. 95. 95. Oh, he lifts the private! What's a goal? This is the halftime show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh! Better than nice! Wonderful! <laughs> Salam, and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Dury. Thank you very much for connecting with us today and thank you for your messages as well as you're sliding into the DMs talking about the Halftime Show. It has been phenomenal. One thing I would want to ask you guys, what would you like to see more of in terms of content, in terms of guests? Are there people in the UAE you would like to see on the show? If so, please do let us know and we will do our best to try and connect with them. We've had some some really really cool guests on the show and probably punched them my way, but delighted to have those on and also being able to ask the questions that you guys send through has been a huge part of the show that interactive side actually even especially being in the studio i think for me is my favorite and being able to interact with you on the instagram live which you guys by the way have been phenomenal phenomenal uh, let us know let me know send it uh, through and we will have a look at that there's also a couple of things coming up we want to run you by we've got um a lot of sports happening in the uae we've got the ufc Coming through, we've got boxing, we've got cricket, we've got rugby, we've got football, we've got basketball, we have some fantastic, fantastic things coming up. So do share it with us, let us know what you want to hear more of, and we will do our best to, to connect the dots. Okay, right. One message that came through the other day was regarding um, sleep. And someone had said we're saying, Omar, I think more than ever the, the, the game changer has been perfecting my sleep. What have you done? Well, when I mentioned it on the show the other day, I went through a couple of experiments to try and see from, you know, a fantastic doctor called Dr. Sean Penny, unbelievable homeopathic doctor. Having spoken to him and and being able to understand, obviously, how different factors vary, uh, an elimination of coffee was the one that a lot of people um, said to me, can you do it? And I love my coffee, 100%. But I had to take that away for two weeks. That really did help with trying to manage the REM sleep and the deep sleep. And those are all factors that sometimes people maybe look over. Sometimes you could be asleep, but not in deep sleep. And those factors really make a big difference in the long run, especially when you look at it from a holistic approach. A lot of people work long hours, stare at screens a lot on their computers, are on their desk all the time. You know, those factors probably in terms of how you live day by day and how you move biomechanically have had a huge influence on the way we are. So small things like aura rings, sleep apps, you know, um, God, you name it, whoops. There's all these people, there's all these things that people use. And I've kind of used a lot of them and seen how they make a difference. And I normally see if there's a link between them. So when the timing you would have slept, when your last meal would have been, were you staring at a screen? Before you went to sleep, do you wear the Blu-ray lights or the blue light, sorry, um, the glasses? Normally, they have some really cool things that happen with that. They also help with the way your brain absorbs the lights. Um, so those were all things I thought were, were game changers, and it's also if you get a chance to do things like breath work as well or meditation, which can put your mind at ease. That, that was a very very good question. Thank you for sending that through. And it was all it was all the fact that we we, we look at that and and um, Derek, you know, you, you raised this point as well on how these small changes. Uh, on the long-term can be very beneficial for your short-term as well. But yeah, we are wrapping up full-time on the Halftime Show. Thank you so much for connecting. Really appreciate it. I will be back in the studio on Wednesday, I promise. And I will be listening to you and your questions all day, every day on Wednesday on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.